This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 429, recorded on January 9th, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home news reviews, product updates, and conversation. All for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful today, but we got some snow coming weather this uh, tomorrow. They were out, uh, I don't know, Paul, if it's what it's like or you're at, but uh, ahead of the storms, they try and spray down the streets, you know, just to kind of keep the, they put some defrost, antifreeze kind of compound down to keep the ice down. Yeah. Uh, they do that for you guys too? Yeah, those white stripes. Was it magnesium? Yeah. Something. Yeah, those Something white stripes like in the highway before the storm. Yeah, yeah kind of. I was. I came out of work this morning and they'd sprayed that stuff down already in some of the on some of the roads. And I was like, well, they must be thinking we're going to get some pretty cold weather and some snow. Uh, so it'll be there before you know it. Of course, of course, we post the show with world class show notes each week out of the average guy. Uh, dot tv we want to welcome you back for those who are at ces just a reminder well, we've got ryan out there as well and uh, if you want to follow the C ces coverage that's going on i think or has gone on depending on when you listen to this thinkcomputers.org slash ces 2020 so if you want to head out there and uh, follow ryan and some of the work that he's done out there or is doing just depends on when you listen to this at ces thinkcomputers.org slash CES 2020. Of course, you can also listen live on our mobile app. Best way to kind of listen when you're on the road or at CES. You could be listening to this right now if you're doing that. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. I want to thank our Patreon subscribers for doing that as well. If you want to join the conversation, there's been a lot of conversation lately in our Discord group. Head out to TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord. And if you want to join us in Facebook, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Facebook. Mike is out tonight. Uh, out I'm sure he's having a good time. Paul Brarin has said yes to coming in for his biannual visit to the Home Gadget Geeks. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Great to be on again. Good to Great have year. you. Yeah, you made it. Um, you, you you didn't tell me you were doing this, but uh, for those who, you got to come out and see the video. Paul has decided to make this work from inside the Tesla in his garage. Wait, wait, no, First, no, no. I'm not in the garage. Oh. I thought I'm you were. In, I'm on Mars. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Nice. And there's the odometer. Yeah, yeah twenty twenty five thousand. You had posted on your site quite a few miles. How does one? Um, just is it is it travel miles that you're you're racking up there on the Tesla? Yeah, a lot of it's for work. Uh, yeah. Last year, and actually I had two job changes last year, and a lot of it is visiting customers. So, uh, all the way to Richmond, Virginia, to Maine, to Pittsburgh. So quite a span there. Uh, you made the jump to Dell. Did, had we had you done that when we had you on last, or were you just getting ready? Oh no, I can't remember. <laughs> that was two jobs ago. <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah. It's been a year. So we talked. No, about has it yeah. really been a year since we had yeah, you on? Yeah, yeah. Well, so maybe your annual visit. I have to I have to step up my game a little bit. Make sure you're here twice a year and not every every six. How's uh, how's the new role? Uh, it's been very good. I've only been at Dell Technologies since October 28th of 2019. So still new guy in the role. It's a large company like IBM. I was at IBM for um, almost 22 years. So uh, learning the ropes, there's a whole lot to learn. Uh, they have a whole lot of uh, server storage that I'm getting up to speed on, as well as serves, of course. Uh, just three hours ago, I was putting together a configuration for a customer, and it was actually kind of similar to my VMware job, doing hyperconverged infrastructure. So 
pretty familiar, but a lot to learn that's new as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, always, always uh, new new people, new places to go, new things to see. I'm sure it'll come. All that stuff will come to you uh, pretty fast. Um, how have you been liking? Let's let's just talk about the Tesla. Uh, last time you, you had just picked that up, I think, or it was pretty close to just. It was pretty new the last time we talked to you. It's twenty five thousand miles, and maybe a year later. What do you think? Fantastic, Jim. Best thing I ever bought, hands down. Um, that's it in a nutshell. Obviously, I have more detail than that. But here's the thing. I, I had it all of a week when I talked to you. I knew I was about to drive a lot for my job, like literally days after. I think we talked in early January. It's part of why we bought it in late December was I knew I was about to drive a lot. And there was also a $7,500 rebate at the time. So it worked out quite well. Um, so the practicality, I mean, the thing that people often miss when they think about road trips, I always have the battery fully charged. Right now it's on 275 miles. I mean, it's at 90% charged. In other words, not only are you skipping gas stations, but you're not going to anything every week. The long road trips, like to you know visit family in Pittsburgh or something. Okay, fine. I'm stopping for lunch at Ruby Tuesday for 35, 40 minutes while the car's charging. That's it. So it hardly changed my lifestyle or travel plans it's been awesome. That is the long range Model 3. So I have a 2018 long range all wheel drive, it's called. And that was made in November of 2018. Um, and then of course, um, the federal rebates actually just went away uh, January 1st of this year, 2020, because Tesla is killing it, making a whole lot of, a whole lot of cars. Uh, there's over 300,000 of these made um, in the last year. So it's been a big success, Jim. What do you, what do you think's been the one surprise that you've had, or or one or two surprises that you had that you didn't anticipate? <laughs> okay, uh, number one, I thought it'd be scary driving it. You know, going for the first test drive in Springfield, Mass, where they don't give test drives in Connecticut for because they don't have dealerships in Connecticut, so I got a little tricky. But fine, half an hour drive, um, go to test drive it, and you realize very quickly it quickly gains your trust that there's no skill involved. You can stomp the pedal even on a turn, nothing dramatic happens. So immediately you're like, oh, okay. Accelerating fast is not scary. In fact, it's rather fun, especially on a you know dry road when the light turns, you just go. There's no drama, there's no noise. People's heads aren't turning. You just go immediately. And it's just mm-hmm. way beyond any turbo or anything else I've ever driven. I mean, like literally twice as fast, zero to 60. You know? yeah. We both had a two, 2006 Honda Civic, yeah. not known as a streamer. <laughs> Um, but I went and put all the statistics together, length, width, height, ground yeah. clearance, all that stuff. And I found that quite fun to do, actually. I have um, a whole bunch of articles that are pretty nerdy, pretty in-depth, um, you know, weight, miles, range, all that stuff. Because I, I do my shopping before I buy something so expensive. And you and I, we keep our cars a while. So kind of a big decision. What are you going to keep yeah. them, you know, 10 plus years? When I bought it, I was VIN number 119,000. So there's some risk and Elon doing some goofy stuff. People worried about the survival of the company. Complete turnaround. If anyone's looked at the stock in the last week, oh my God. Basically, I was right. <laughs> I felt a little risky buying, you know, a lower, a little lower VIN number, not, you know, early adopter, first 10,000 VINs made. My Honda Civic Hybrid 2006, that VIN number is 6,000. That was an early adopter car. This car is 119,000 and now they're up to, you know, VIN number. 600,000 some. So they're, they're, they're cranking them out. It's going well and they've ramped up production. That's the cool thing. This is not like nerd buys Gar and wants to shut off. It's like, no, 30 plus year, mostly Honda Civic owner saves up, buys a car that's what three times more efficient than Honda Civic and more safe uh, by far. Crush resistance, all that stuff. 
safest car ever tested. That's the story, right? Yeah. It's I'm not it's not hyperbole. I mean, I've drove twenty five thousand miles now. Nothing happened, which is what you want to hear. And um, it's just been awesome. Now, so surprise number one, it doesn't scare you at all. Surprise number two. <laughs> so when you go in on some things in life and you need to jump in on both feet, right? So um, remember the test drive story I told you? Mm -hmm. That was surprise number two. So when I said to my wife, hey, uh, finally someone at Tesla is offering me a test drive not too far from our house rather than driving all the way to Boston. You willing to hop in the car to go to a Panera Bread behind there? They set up a little Tesla pop-up tent. <laughs> Could we go for a test drive just in case? Maybe someday we make a change with my car and my 2006 Honda Civic getting kind of old and one of our sons could use a car and all that. To my surprise, not only did she say yes, but I warned her the car looks like a spaceship inside. It's very minimalist. You might hate it because it's something new and not a lot of buttons. Quite the opposite. Um, so enough of that. Just <laughs> Two weeks, three weeks old. <laughs> that is the standard range plus. A whole lot more affordable. Thank goodness this car came out. They started shipping that in volume in um, April, and naturally everyone asked the price. So, yeah, um, their starting price is now down to thirty-five thousand, but it's really more realistically thirty-nine minus fifteen hundred dollar Connecticut rebate mm -hmm. minus um, another eighteen seventy-five federal rebate because I snuck it in in December. So, add Connecticut tax. Yeah, you're sneaking in just a, a whisper under forty thousand yeah. per car. We're going to keep ten years. Yeah. You know what? Compared to the Honda Civic, when I looked, I actually spent over 30000 on mine in 2006 mm -hmm. on all kinds of options, mm -hmm. whatever. It's 25% mm -hmm. more expensive in today's dollars adjusted. Big deal. <laughs> the car is so much better. Um, mm -hmm. So now my wife is quite pleased. And hers is the daily driver around town. Mine's the four-wheel drive that we take on the long road trips. We certainly didn't need two cars with a ginormous battery. Right. And actually, today, there was announced a product which can power your house and the battery from your cars. So that's pretty cool. You know, I got two giant batteries in the garage. Wouldn't it be nifty if that could handle a, a power outage that, uh, rather than a gas generator? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, can you tell I'm a little excited? But I'm just as excited 20, uh, 12 months later since we last talked. That has not changed. Every time I get in the car, I'm like, I can't believe I freaking am able to <laughs> enjoy this thing. 24,000 miles, I still 25,000 miles, I still feel the same way. It's, yeah. it's a good feeling. I'm not even like a supercar nut. I mean, we're both driving around modest Honda Civics, right? It's not like we're... Yeah, super into it. Um, now I drive people maybe a little too nuts, but it is fun talking to people or taking them for test drives. It, it pretty much ruins them the, the second they're in it, especially if they drive the car. Passengers, one thing people can get a little annoyed with the acceleration if they're not, you know, they're not an accelerator or a roller coaster enthusiast. Well, I, I haven't had a speeding ticket in twelve years. I'm a pretty tame driver, but going zero to sixty, there's no road squeal, there's no noise, so you can just do it, and everyone is <laughs> just shocked, like, oh my god. A car can do that without tire screech and any mm -hmm. drama or, you know, fear. So, yeah, I, I think I summed it up. I mean, that's that's huge that my wife not only was on board with, you know, me taking a major road trip and about to drive a car a whole lot for a living, having it be the safest car, also three times more efficient than the most efficient Honda Prius. Her car is the most efficient car in America right now. It was announced like three weeks ago, the car you just saw in white next to me. That's because it's single motor. And um, it's just also 400 pounds lighter than mine. So very impressive. Very glad this car exists at all. Now, those listening, this is a polarizing topic, right? We jumped right into the most polarizing topic of all. I'm aware of that. So people have their feelings about it. But I think a lot of people just don't get it yet. Well, for one, it's an American company. Two, it's an American company that just broke ground in a China factory a year ago 
and started shipping cars by the thousands per week last week. Three, they've announced Germany, right in the heart of Germany, where they're, you know, car central for Europe. And they're going to do quite well there because they're already exporting like crazy to Germany. So it's a huge American success story with innovative technology coming out of Silicon Valley, the first new car company. All the others are over 100 years old in America. It's a disruptor. It's frankly uh, going to be rather scary for a lot of people. I am well aware of that when I talk to people. Coal, gas, there's all kinds of politics that invariably tied to it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you dress drive the car, whoever's listening to this, forget everything you read on Jalopnik about a car fire or something stupid on the local news about someone falling asleep at the wheel or doing something dumb by rigging the steering wheel and you know putting their be doing dumb stuff that they can right. do in any car. Just forget all that. Go take a test drive before in reserve judgment until you actually do that. They ignore all the words. If you do want words, though, and you're a nerdy engineer type, yeah, go to tinkertry.com forward slash Tesla. It's all there. Or uh, bit.ly slash Teslavids, V-I-D-S. Um, everything's there. I have a ton of videos of me driving around with a GoPro and all that good stuff. So there you go. <laughs> Just give the audience an earful. But Yeah, no. I mean, no. I'm a guy who's very careful. And for me to be this excited a year later, that's a pretty good sign. What kind it's of a lot scary. What, what kind of maintenance do those require? Well... Uh, rotating the tires front to back was done in my garage by a Tesla mobile service van. That's pretty cool, right? Not having to go to a service center. Mm-hmm. And he jacks it up. The car is so much torsional rigidity. He just jacks it up by the left rear corner and the whole left side lifts off. Swaps the wheel front to back. I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so there's your maintenance, Jim. I did need to pour some washer fluid in. And then my wiper blades are getting a little old. That is a pretty minor maintenance story compared to yeah. if you had a... Uh, BMW M3 owner on, on the uh, Hornet right now who had their car for 25,000 miles. But uh, their story might be a little different. So cost yeah. of ownership is the story, the point I'm trying to make there. Yeah. Um, yes, it'll still need tires, right? But yep. the do you have special, yep. does it have special tires or can you put just regular, can you go down to the tire store and just throw tires on there? Yeah, no, I mean, given the car selling by the hundreds of thousands, Canada and U.S. now stocked up and they, they expect blowouts yeah. and all the usual. The infrastructure is getting much better. Yeah. Um, that is the Achilles heel, the, the weakness of Tesla service. People can do without the car for a month on a routine accident that should take a week to fix waiting for parts. It's gotten better. People are saying a part that used to take three months, like a, b- a bumper, which was absurd. Like the first weeks of delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, now are they down to like two weeks, but it should be like two days, right? They're getting better. Right. But that is, if you're a person who really absolutely can't do without your car for more than two or three days, no matter what happens, even if it's gets some kind of $3,000 wreck, this would not be the car for you. The stories are out there that it takes longer than it should to repair. You need to deal with a rental car and hope your insurance company covers you for, you know, a month, which mm-hmm. most of them do. So I'll just put that out there. I, I, that's how I am in my career. I, I try to tell people the good and the bad. Nothing is perfect in life. Right? How has your, um, yeah, for sure. How has your insurance company been with it? Was that a fairly seamless uh, So you USA, wow. Yeah. But not just USA. I, I call them. I tell them, okay, my wife. She's getting rid of her 2,500 Civic, right? So we've dumped our last gas car ever. And someone, uh, Jim, you, okay, take her try to calm, test it Tuesday. Yeah, that's the headline in my article, right? Last gas car ever. My wife and I are kidding about that, right? Um, and calling, that was something I did with trepidation. Like, okay, we're committed to the car. We bought it in mid-November. It came 33 days later. Not bad. They made that thing pretty quick and shipped it across the country, which take, takes eight truck days alone just to ship it. So they're cranking them out pretty fast. But calling insurance, you're a little worried. You know, getting the VIN, getting the features. You don't quite really know. I think it went up $15 every six months, Jim. It was basically okay. the same. 
So we traded in a 2006 Honda Civic and a 2005 Honda Civic to brand new Teslas 2018 and 2020. And our insurance did not take a hit, essentially. Now, our insurance is pretty low, you know, married, low risk, low accident rate. Yeah. But still, for people listening, if you think they're going to charge you like crazy for a crazy sports car, no, it's a four-door sedan. That's the safest car ever tested. Some insurance companies have figured that out. Okay, this is not horrible to insure. And here I am in Hartford, Connecticut, right? This is where these calculations are done in insurance capital of the country. So, um, yeah, I think about all that. I'm so glad you asked that question. I would not have thought to mention that. Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be replacing my car this summer and thinking about those things. So I've started to kind of go through the checklist. Okay, what are all the things I need to think about as I as I get into this? So insurance is always one of those that you're kind of like, well. I don't think it's, I think it's a lot easier than it used to be. And I think cars just in general are made a lot better uh, than they were. Um, uh, Tony's wondering if you're in the queue for the cyber truck at all. How, did you, did you look at that? Did you see that announcement? I'm sure you're not, but what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on that uh, recent announcement? No. Um, so my wife and I, our kids are older now. They moved out of the house. So there'd be absolutely no way we would justify that. We are pretty frugal people. I know that sounds nuts owning two Tesla Model 3s, but keep in mind, I can drive to Richmond, Virginia for eight, uh, I think it's $15 electricity. And okay, do the math. If you're driving for work, do the tax calculations on your reimbursement. So you can make your car payment in a week or two of driving for work. Got the math now? It's pretty yeah. simple math. Mm -hmm. um, this car is incredibly cheap per mile. I know it depreciates, but guess what? They're doing very well in depreciating. Uh, and guess who's hurting right now is Audi and BMW. This car is squarely in their sights. It's hurting Germany big time. So, yeah, um, the math is there. If you're going to own something five, six, seven years, kind of like you own a cell phone for two or three years with a cell phone plan, mm -hmm. you got to look at what the phone's going to cost you when you own it for two, three years. Yeah. But with a car, when you own it like five, ten years, like my wife and I, we're going to look at the total cost of ownership. And that's where the Tesla really excels, especially a high miles person like me. 25,000 miles a year. That's a lot of gas. Do, do you feel the post 100,000 mile, you know, when you get there? And I'm going to ask you to speculate, but do you feel as confident when you get to that 100,000 that it'll be just as good at 100,000 as it was at 25,000? Yes. The batteries, Tesla's been cranking out cars since the Model S in 2012. Some of those cars have 300, 400,000 miles. Fine. Model 3 has been shipping in volume for about a year and a half. It's been out about two and a half years. Some of them have easily gone past 100,000. Okay, they lose maybe 4% range. They lose less than that in the mile, the subsequent years. In other words, Tesla's already figured out the battery chemistry and already know how a Model S does. There's plenty of them that last plenty long. So supposedly the design life of the body is a million miles, the design life of the battery. 300 to you know, 400 to 500,000. There's also divided in seven battery segments. You could potentially replace a battery segment, not yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty darn high. We've never had it. My wife and I, we, our Honda Civic EX is the longest we've ever had a car for mileage. It made it to 170,000, I think. Um, it's now living in um, Pittsburgh and fighting rust, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. Keep, Whatever questions people have in the chat too, you know, yeah. uh, feel free to ask me or leave comments under my articles. I threw it in the chat there for people on live. Uh, sorry, I wrote I wrote the wrong URL. Um, leave comments right below the articles. It's really fun for me to answer something because you're likely the same. You know, only one in two thousand people read an article, leave a comment, right? So whatever you're thinking, someone else is probably thinking the same question. We okay. uh, on on my Civic, my um, hybrid. 
you know, we I had those batteries replaced after you. We met at the meetup, and you were like, "Hey, I got my batteries replaced." And I was like, yeah. "Oh," and and uh, mine went out. For, I'd say fortunately they were under warranty. I'd bought the extended warranty, so that saved me from having to buy new batteries. Um, since those were replaced right at the hundred thousand mark, I think hundred and something. Um, I've had no issues with the new set they've put in. We're at two fifteen now. I'll pass that on to my daughter. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they put some different batteries in or whatever. Certainly that's old Honda battery technology. Um, I kind of told my daughter, like when they go, they go, you're not going to replace them, uh, type deal. But you know, that is one of the risks on the, on the newer cars. You know, you kind of think how long will these batteries hold up for when we think just from a mileage perspective, I do think, um, because he's getting more popular, I think we're going to see some really good battery technologies come out of this and we're just going to get better at this as we go. So, you know, the day of maybe, you know, where you're at a million miles on the battery side is, I think, could be a real possibility. The chances Americans don't hold on to their cars that long. So, you know, you wouldn't have that kind of opportunity. And, and in places where rust is a problem, like here in Nebraska, um, you know, you, you probably wouldn't hold it on to that long. I, the all-wheel drive capabilities of those uh, is very um, attractive to me. In, in yeah. That. I'm in New England, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I had a class for Dell, one of my first weeks of employment in Franklin, Mass. I'm looking at the radar, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to drive a southern route. I'm going to be driving in two, three, four inches of snowpack the whole way there. 90 miles later, I arrived safely. Um, not saying it's advised and something I do very often, but you know what? The class happened. It started at 8 a.m. the next day. I was fine. I was just driving 30, 40 the whole way and just drove a southerly route where I avoided like 10 inches of snow that was happening in Sturbridge, Mass. So. Yeah. Just being a little smart and leaving at the right time of day when there's no traffic and keeping other trucks away from me. It's fine. That's life. I've driven into Manhattan at 11 p.m. with a total ice storm. Why? Because the next day, 80 people were waiting for me at a Dave & Buster's where I was presenting on vSAN as a VMware employee. That's what a job is like. you got to get there. Yeah. This car pulled it off, yeah. including valet parking in Manhattan, which is a hateful thing to have to do to hand over a key. But guess what? It locks the car from accelerating fast. They can't see your name and address book on the screen. It locks the glove box. It locks the frunk. So if you have a laptop, you lock it in the frunk. They can't get up in the front trunk there. Um, okay. That's a pretty cool valet key. And you can keep tabs in your car. And if they remember to uh, plug it in like they offered to charge it overnight from your hotel and you fire up the app and you can see, cool, yeah. I got 90% battery to drive to Southern New Jersey today out of Manhattan. So that was my job. I, that, that was at VMware where I couldn't do a train because I'd be in Manhattan one day and then Southern New Jersey the next regularly, like week after week. So the car nailed it. Not great to drive into Manhattan and anything. So I'd go there at 11 at night, park overnight safely and head on out after customer meetings. And so, yeah, that, my point is it's not babysat. This thing drives in all kinds of snow and, and rusty uh, salt and whatever. And yeah. here I am a year later and, um, you know, it's worked out. When, um, when I first, when I bought a new Ford, this was years ago now, uh, at 30,000, I needed to replace the brakes. When I bought the Honda Civic, because it's got inductive charging, I remember taking it to my mechanic at 40 or 45 and I'm like, Hey, you should probably check the brakes. And he's like, are you even pressing on the brakes? <laughs> because the, <laughs> because the, you know, I was getting brake assist on that car on the Tesla. Um, I'm assuming, I mean, it's a 25, but you, so you're, you're not even close to needing to replace those, but brakes would be the other component besides tires that you have to replace. Have you had any thoughts or, any research on when you got to do that? Are those going to last longer? Are they doing anything different there? Uh, <laughs> funny you should ask. So four-wheel drive particularly, you got two motors. So as soon as you let off the accelerator, you can do one-pedal driving in this car. It's an option. 
So what, what's one pedal dri driving mean? It means as soon as you let off the accelerator, your brake lights go on. So if you totally let off your foot off the accelerator, like a lot, all the way to from a little bit of pressure to zero, completely lifting your foot, the car behind you sees your brake lights go on. Why? The regen is very powerful, Jim. The motors are slowing you. They're shoving electricity back into the battery pack very quickly, way beyond our 2006 Honda Civic Hybrid, yeah. which has a, a very tiny supplementary motor yeah. and battery pack. But they're still not bad. So, still not no, bad. I mean, it, my, point, my point, though, is let me go back to that New York City story. So say I'm leaving at 9 p.m. like one night I was leaving. It's supposed to take two hours to get to New York, and it says the battery's going to arrive at like 62% when you get to the hotel. I'm like, cool. I have a tremendous traffic jam in New Haven for no reason. All the roads are jammed up. I was sitting there for an hour to complete standstill thinking, hmm, it's winter. It's 20 degrees. Is my range going to change? Guess what I arrived at at the hotel? Like 61%. Big <laughs> deal. In other words, the car is so good at regen. So a lot of it was stop and go for like half an hour. It yeah. doesn't matter if it takes me two or three hours to get to Boston, New York. I live right between both of those. Yeah. It, it gets there and exactly what the, the thing tells me it's going to get. It's very good at predicting. And um, the regen is very strong. That's part of what the secret sauce is versus... Yeah. Audi e-tron, Jaguar I-Pace, they've really struggled to come anywhere near Tesla's efficiency. The car is getting the equivalent of 130 miles per gallon plus. Uh, again, very cheap per mile to get your family moved around from location to location. That's another take-home message here that people yeah. skip. And, and I imagine brakes, you wouldn't have to replace your brakes as often. Oh, yeah, that's your question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 50,000 plus people are seeing minimal brake pad life. And I'm yeah. a pretty, I don't drive like crazy or jam the brakes. or I'm pretty like low G-force for right. most of my driving. So yeah, I suspect the brake pads will last. I quite think long. you'll probably get more, just to be honest. I, oh, yeah. the, the Honda, I don't I don't know about your Honda. I think I re first even thought about it about 75 or 80. I was they were like the the, the like I said, my mechanic was like, you need to brake a little more often. <laughs> you know, he's like, Your your pads are great. And yep. um, so just one of those that with that, you know, with the the motor or with the charger in there, uh, bringing it back, it just it kind of assists you, uh, you know, on that getting it done. Um, Tony in the chat room had asked, we didn't talk about this well, from a charging perspective. <laughs> um, you got to watch the YouTube video, Paul, showing a, uh, a, a picture camping in a, in a fire. Is that like a background? No, it's because I'm in camp mode to keep the car running while I'm sitting in the garage so I don't freeze out here talking. <laughs> so notice yeah. I have no exhaust. No problem with that. Yeah. Nothing smells. I'm running my car. Right. That's why Paul has mobile office mode. So my seat go back goes way back. My mouse pad is right here, the center console. Laptop on my lap. Steering wheel out of the way. That's mobile mode. The car is very good when I'm parked and doing a you know, Zoom conference call for work or something. Uh, yeah. All sorts of little benefits. To Mobile conference mode. I like it. Um, uh, charging wise, uh, um, you know, we had Dwayne Robinson on. He's he's doing this as well. Same boat. Um, you're funny. We and at, at Gallup, we actually installed two chargers at work. Mm. So uh, we've got a couple Teslas uh, as well um, from some of our employees. Uh, what are you seeing from a recharge perspective? Six hours overnight, if I arrive home at like 10%, which happens sometimes if I'm driving to New York or Boston, get home at 11 p.m., and I might need to drive somewhere at 8 a.m. the next day. That's not a problem. That 40-amp charger in the wall there, you see uh, with the animated green in the middle between the two garage doors, is plugged into my car right now. And I got it hanging from the ceiling, so I'm not um, tripping over anything. My wife's car, hers goes 32 amps. You can see a 100-amp circuit panel on the wall there. And it's suspended with some um, angle iron off the ceiling there where we're not tripping over a cord either. So hers just has the Tesla charger the car came with. In other words, a $275 separate charge was avoided. We just took the charger out of the car, hung it on the wall, 
and it just plugs in every day because her car is not doing the long road trips. It doesn't really need a charger at all times, right? Is yours faster than hers or does it matter? They charge about the same rate. Once I've got an article that shows all the Tesla Model 3 differences and people often ask me the charge speed. So I put that right at the top of the article. So let me get a correct answer for you. But they're basically within like 10% of each other, about six hours. So there's a screenshot right at the top of my article that talks about design and spec changes between the two cars. And it has a little picture that shows um, charge rate somewhere in there. So anyhow, yeah, about 34 miles per hour on the road, about a thousand miles per hour at the new V3 supercharger that just opened in Connecticut. Uh, the first one east of Arizona. So that opened like two days ago. Pretty cool because people drive from Boston to New York and Connecticut's the you know, drive through for that. Yeah. Yeah. Get, are they opening? Do you get notifications um, of new stations that are opening? Do the, does the car know where the most optimal charging stations are? How does that work? Supercharger.info is the third party site that lists them all. And then there's a um, V3 supercharger. What's a V3 supercharger? They used to charge at 150. Um, kilowatts and now they charge at 250. What does that mean? It means about a thousand, uh, you can get, let's see, a hundred miles of range in seven minutes. <laughs> so if you're just going on a trip, that's a little longer, like, uh, for me to get to DC is a little bit beyond a tank in the winter, a tank of electrons, let's call it. So I'd have to stop in Delaware for five, maybe eight minutes to stretch my range to make it the full 360 miles. Big deal. Like that's, that's incredible, right? When you hear those numbers, that is not parking at Panera Bread for three hours while sitting on Wi-Fi, figuring out why your Nissan Leaf's taking forever. That's how long it takes a Nissan Leaf to charge. Um, they charge at 20 miles an hour if you're lucky, and their batteries are not lasting long. They did not do a great job uh, for longevity in that car, um, the competitors. Chevy Bolt a little better, but they didn't really do thermal management of the battery, so they didn't really have 400,000, 500,000 miles in, ring, in mind. Mm -hmm. Tesla's motivated to get that right. They want to do a fleet vehicle um, and also cabs in New York are now buying Model 3s. Police stations are buying Model 3s, uh, seeing the math, because they idle all the time. Think of what a police car does cruising around town. In perfect match, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think, will the others catch up as, as these are in the market longer and just market forces, um, you know, like everybody else eventually reverse engineers and does things differently and does them better? Do you think you, you'll see the other auto manufacturers catch up and do a better job with this? Yeah, it's taking a while. Like, um, you've got the Honda CEO saying, yeah, it's going to be 30 years. And America doesn't have enough chargers. He's so, that's delusional. <laughs> I mean, I I just sold and blogged all about it, why I got rid of two Honda Civics, because Honda offered nothing like this. Yeah, Tesla, uh, I'm sorry, another one to watch out. How long is Toyota going to last if they don't wake up and start making something electric? It just doesn't make sense to me. So it's sad that there's not more competitors. So... Tesla's mission is accelerate. Let me uh, accelerate the move to sustainable future. Basically, uh, that's not the exact wording, but the point is, it's not just making cars. It's part of why they own the solar business, all right? They're trying to light a fire under Detroit, and that's working in Germany now, but also move towards sustainability. Um, in other words, electricity that's from the sun. And I know a friend whose wife wanted to talk to me and my wife about our car and owning it, what it's actually like. They went and ordered a Model Three. And when you know, he put an order in for the zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds Cybertruck, you know, four, uh, three motor edition. Yeah. He's got solar all over a giant garage. Perfect, right? The dude's going to be driving on photons from the sun. Um, it's cool. That's the ultimate thing, right? Just think about that, what he's able to do. Drive a pretty cool car, in his case, a truck, and drive around off of solar panel power um, much of the time. That's awesome. So, yeah, 
Tesla's motivated with their mission statement that's been true for a long time, accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. That's their mission. Everything I've said in this whole call so far has been consistent with that, um, including opening in China and opening in Germany, because the demand is tremendous. The naysayers were wrong. The car is selling by the hundreds of thousands. The boat, yeah. load, literally, yeah. getting shipped over to Europe right now. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I obviously followed the space a little because I got more into it once I had the car, realizing wow, this is a huge disruptor. And I think uh, the trucking industry, the number one job in a lot of states in the Midwest is trucking. So with Tesla trucks coming too, again, this is going to continue to irritate a lot of people. But West Virginia, coal country, guess what? This is the only coal-fired car. That's kind of ironic. But <laughs> since the car is electric, right, it can be run purely on coal. And that's kind of funny. So why are people angry at an American company for innovating here? Do they really want that? not want that eventually like it's it's gonna happen mm -hmm. so i hear you and it'd be good if there's more competitors and unfortunately they're taking a while to catch up like ipace did not sell too well and bmw has an i3 that didn't sell too well and they're not real serious about it and stopped making it um chevy volt hybrid uh stopped making that they're having trouble competing that is worrisome you don't want tesla to be only the only one um certainly so next year this year excuse me it's now 2020 there'll be many yeah. more offerings including vw which is a huge conglomerate. That's a good thing. They're not shipping into the US yet, but hopefully their ID3s will take off. It's good for everybody. So unlike BMW or Maserati drivers who want an exclusive car, Tesla owners that I meet at Supercharged and all, they're the opposite. We can't believe our friends and family don't drive electric vehicles yet. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily care about the brand that much. We just know they're gonna have a giant smile on their face once they get in one, realizing, holy smokes, it's far better than anything they've owned or driven in their lives. Hands down, like whatever brand, pretty much. Even Chevy Bolt I've been in. Pretty cool. And a Leaf. I've driven in those too. All right. <laughs> who's uh, uh, Paul, who's second? If you say you could have bought a Tesla, what would you have done when you were going to replace the Honda? What would you have gone with? Well, my wife and I didn't need a sport utility. So I don't speak for most of the audience, right? Most of the audience probably has some kids and wants more space. They yeah. get a Model Y. They're willing to wait for the Model Y coming late this year. So in my case, uh, if there was another brand, hmm. What was shipping that my wife would get last month? We couldn't afford an Audi or um, certainly <laughs> Porsche Taycan. No, that's 180,000. Um, Audi uh, and Jaguar E-Piece, not even close. We didn't have another car, Jim. And I wouldn't have bought the Chevy. They're not serious about it. They're not. Yeah. They're, their dealerships make their money on repairing the old cars. They're really kind of screwed. To how, do, how do you transition this? It's a real problem. They have to go all in or forget about it would if you and couldn't then, would you have gone back to honda and bought gas just no I, I, no we're done <laughs> i mean I, i've had my eye on this since for three years like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, i'm just saying for if, yeah. if you if you could have done tesla say they weren't available would you've gone back would you have replaced her car with a gas car say you uh, could, they were they're back ordered couldn't get them couldn't buy it no <laughs> I don't know. My wife was already on board, remember, for yeah, years. Yeah, no, I, I get it. She, I get it. Drive it she knew she'd like it too much when she drove it. Yeah. Once she drove yeah. it, that was true. She right. was now hankering to replace her car. And then her car needed to be towed twice in a span of three months, all while I'm far away in a business trip. Right. And that was it. Um, you now have the talk like, okay, how do we do this? What are the monthly bills and all that? Um, and by the way, you know, well, yeah, we settled the family first, got them through education and finishing their master's. We did it in that order. That's why we were driving ancient cars around for years, yeah. all through high school and middle school. So that every family story is different. But yeah. my point about telling you about the rebate, there is a Tesla with 210 mile range that's kind of crippled artificially a little bit. It's the same battery as my wife's. 
but it starts at 35,000 and you probably have a rebate in whatever state you're in, like New Jersey has $5,000 rebate. So what did I just say? I just told you about a $30,000 car, a $31,000 car that pretty much everybody loves. Consumer Reports says it's the most loved car ever, like 98% customer sat. The car is kicking butt from the people who actually own it. Um, there's no other car in my lifetime I remember like this, Jim. Yeah. What other car had a quarter million people, actually 400,000 pre-order? What the heck? Like, this hasn't happened. If, if I was going to order that for summer, do I need to order that now? Can I? No, no. Like, my car is 33 days from placing the order to yeah. delivery. Yeah. And it's from California. So, not bad. Those days are gone, Jim. So, yeah. Um, when you talked to me in the last podcast, that was true. It took a while. Yeah, it took you to take a while. Um, a month. Actually, my car was not that bad. I think it was six, seven weeks. A little longer, a year ago. Uh, any any cameras in those cars uh, from a security perspective? Do you have anything on the inside? I know the backup cameras and some of those kinds of things, but any other security features that come with that that are uh, that are kind of fancy? Yes. You mentioned the valet key, but what else? So in an amazing stroke of timing, I found myself driving to Hampton Inns, not necessarily in the most awesome place of the various cities I drive to, all over New Jersey and New York. Pretty cool that they added sentry mode, meaning they started using the camera that's aiming out the front, two out the sides, and now one out the license plate. So what is sentry mode? It records to USB. Well, people put a thumb drive in, the thumb drive dies in two weeks or two months. So it's both a dash cam and if you turn on sentry mode, it's recording video constantly when the car's parked. So that wears out your little USB thumb drive that was never meant for 99% rights, right? Yeah. <laughs> cool thing is you can't view it on the Tesla screen, so you'd have to like pull out the USB drive and if someone dinged your door or whatever, you'd have to review the footage. So just last week, the engineer who created a product actually came to my house, and um, it's called Roadie for Tesla. And I'll be reviewing this. So those of you on the YouTube, basically I fired up an app. happens to be iOS, but runs on Android. And we now click Connect. And it's saying there's a firmware update. I'm going to ignore that right now because I'm on camera. And here we go. We got some footage of the... Uh, not cleanest part of my garage you know, <laughs> a little better footage um okay here's me you know driving yesterday or something so basically it's joined a wi-fi network in my case i'm at home so they're both in the same network but when you're on the road it'll join the wi-fi hotspot of a raspberry pi um zero that's in my globe in the center console tiny little device that lets me view my footage in fact someone unplugged me from panera bread the other day and i had fun seeing who did it <laughs> wearing a baseball cap and pulling it out whatever. I just drove away. I'm like, fine. He needed electricity more than me. I was kind of just seeing how fast it charged. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but my point is if someone's going to tamper with your car, yeah, this camera, this car is a bad choice to mess with in a parking lot. There's endless videos on the web about people cutting people off and witnessing accidents, dash cam catching it, or when the car is parked, people being up to no good. So yes is the answer. And they added this all with software since the car came out, the car is just getting dramatically, um, better um and that's a pretty good example of a very compelling feature that was added for free well after i took delivery i think that was maybe april i i asked last show you know we talked I, we had a little security breach here at the yeah. compound and sure. uh, and i have uh, spent a bunch of time with cameras and figuring stuff out and you know you you install some new cameras and then you figure some things out about those cameras after using them for a couple weeks and um, I think I'm, you know, I'm a week or a week and a half, two weeks into them. And I'm already kind of like, okay, the next time I do this, I'm going I'm to do it a little bit different, right? Yeah. Um, but interesting, you know, you're in a tech platform right there. Uh, what, you know, what, uh, what, what did they offer? They've got a bunch of cameras around that too. 
Uh, Paul, one of the things, and it's interesting, the solution you've come up with, one of the things with both Ring, which you're going to show here in a second, and some of the other solutions, the, the problem isn't the technology of the camera. The problem is the storage of the video. Like, where are you going to put it? Are you going to pay for it? Are you going to, in Ring's yeah. case, are you going to pay the 3 or $10 a month to have it stored? I have some Z Moto cameras. They you know they got some cloud storage and some local stuff. The, ro- the local stuff doesn't roll off. You know, you're talking about that thumb drive that eventually wears out. It is you start kind of thinking through like, okay, if I'm going to install a bunch of cameras, I kind of need to have a data plan in place or something to manage all the data that's coming off these to at least for a week or two, right? To think about it. You've you've got some ring stuff in front of you there. What do you want to talk about there? No, great segue, Jim. Um Monthly bill, right? Uh, used to be maybe set up a Synology NAS in your home and stream to it. Like, you know, um, Dave McCabe has stories about that too, right? Trying to keep local video. Yeah. And I'm very much into that. Cloud nothing, right? Because the cloud provider is changing every two, three years, but you have a terabyte, you moved. You got bandwidth cast that you and I are on Cox, Jim. There's been challenges with all that. It's kind of nice if you could build your own infrastructure. But man, Ring did kind of nail it with the Ring Alarm product because now I'm paying one monthly bill to have fire, smoke, bridge to my existing... Uh, detectors. So I put detectors in all the bedrooms, all over the house, and they're just, um, what was it, first alert. They make a loud noise. Ring had an add-on device that listens for that noise and connects to your security system. Mm-hmm. So it's calling, you know, police and fire accordingly for intrusion and fire and smoke, all for one monthly bill that also keeps your videos from your cameras. That is smart. Meaning, yes, I'm paying a cloud bill to keep those videos for longer. Now, what's the downside? <laughs> Do you remember Jamie before he was big and got bought by Amazon, right? And you would talk to him and interview him, which was fantastic. He was kind enough to leave a comment under my article on my website where I've caught someone else's audio on my video. It freaked me out. This is before the recent things where they talked about overseas people viewing the videos or too much collaboration with police. Ring has had some black eyes this year, uh, the last six months or so. But my point in telling that story about the wrong audio, it did worry me about security a little bit, right? Like they really take it seriously if I'm listening to someone else's audio and Jamie was kind enough to leave comments on my site explaining what happened, the technical issue, and how they were fixing it. That didn't mean a lot to me because you're buying a platform. You don't really want $400 of cameras and security devices laying all your house becoming, well, you've heard of other smart home devices going out of business where everything becomes, you know, a doorstop. A brick. So you, yeah. yeah, you're shopping for the cloud provider, not just, you know, and I knew it was Amazon backing up the video, so it felt like Ring had a pretty good chance of survival. So I don't regret that, but man, it took him forever to add two-factor for logging in. And that's creepy when people have cameras inside their house. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, that is bad. So the two-factor they added, it's pretty weak. It's SMS. We'll just ask Twitter. SMS is not the best two-factor. You really want an app or something. Um, and you and I have like traveled overseas and you need a data plan. You want your two-factor in your phone. You don't really want to rely on SMS because you go overseas, you don't even have your US phone number. All, all sorts of little things. They could do better and they've got called out for it. Yeah. And I think that's good. They've had their comeuppance that they need to wake up Yes, they had the billion dollar, whatever, many millions, whatever it was for Amazon takeover, but they need to keep taking this seriously and people don't want to see each other's videos and <laughs> they don't want to hand it over to police automatically or any of that. So yeah. anyhow, so I don't regret buying it and I blogged about them real early days, including having to swap out the Ring, Pro, mm-hmm. Ring for the Ring Pro, getting a better one and swapping out the transformer in my basement that didn't have enough voltage for the, I had some problems and I blogged all about it, warts and all. And, you know, yeah, it's just really cool though to do that and actually have, you know, Jamie comment on it and have hear him, you interviewing him. It's like, whoa, that was a big deal. Um, yeah. Really cool. You, that that kit that you have, I think that's a 199 kit that you have um, that I you're showing. There's, there's, 
about it uh, for quite a while, actually. So um, I think yeah. the price might still be that. I think it's one ninety nine on Amazon uh, right now. If you want to get in uh, that way, I picked up a eighty an eighty dollar deal during the holidays where I got a Ring doorbell, and I got an Amazon Echo Show Five for like eighty bucks. And so that was kind of my intro into the doorbell. And then of course, the next day, <laughs> you know, the our cars got went through, and and so I bought the the cam on the garage. Um, that has been, I've been thinking through, Ring has a pretty reasonable plan. I think for the three bucks a month or $30 a year, I can get the minimal storage back up for what I'm doing. Are you, they have a $10 plan. Are you, do you have to do that full plan with them? Is that what it's costing you? Yeah, with monitoring for alarm and fire, I believe I have to do that. Yep. Yeah, a hundred bucks a year. Not, not, I don't think unreasonable uh, to be honest. And, and I've still got some time, some trial time. On what I'm doing, I'll make a decision. I'll probably go with the three dollar plan and back them up. I have Paul. I have of all the cameras I put in, so two Z Motos, two which I I would never go with. I would actually never buy, but two rings and then the the D Link through Sighthound, where I do get to do my own storage that way. I think you know if I moved or if I was going to redo things, were going to go you know I was going to redo it. I, after a week and a half or two weeks, I still kind of am leaning towards, I'd like to have everything in Sighthound and own all my storage, sync some of it over to the IO safe for fire protection and sync some of it to the Drobo just to have as a backup. Um, that's kind of like, I've, I've liked the functionality of the ring cameras. By the way, Aaron Lawrence, who was on two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe now, yeah, she, she just did a review on the ring cam and talked all about the security issues that you're talking about. So it is like, it's very, typically she doesn't get that techie, but in her review, she was really, really clear. Ring has had some bumps oh, yeah. they've been doing, just like you said. And I think going in, especially this audience is probably, probably pretty sensitive and pretty savvy to that. I hadn't, I wasn't aware of those when I picked up that doorbell and the stick up cam. I wasn't aware of those when I bought them. I might've made a different decision if I had known that now. I've got them up. They work great. I think Ring's going to do some things um, in the future. Have you added, since you put that in, what else have you added uh, from from security system? Yeah, no cameras like you. Your story about cameras were in true. I was actually just doing something similar, uh, adding additional camera right near my uh, giant white plastic box on my front step for um, you know deliveries, having a camera there. Um, my wife just, um, she just, Sarah just referenced that box. The there you go. Day, she was like, "Hey, didn't somebody come on and talk about it's like thing, uh, right? A yeah. product? Like, who talked? I talked about that. I think in the last podcast, right? No, it was. was. Yeah, she remembered right? it. About eighty percent of the delivery people, maybe seventy percent, actually use it. Some people look at it and then put it down the step anyway. Um, in the rain, you know, it's, it doesn't always work. Yeah, but um, it helps definitely, especially. Well, now that I've now that I've got the ring, I we, this is what we noticed. So the delivery people look for the cameras. And so they're coming up. We we watched this happen the first couple of days we had it. Our Amazon guy came up the steps, saw both cameras, and then put the package where it could be seen by both cameras. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Now he's incented because you know they're they're they you know they drop your package, take a picture of it to, yeah, to yeah. right, and they don't they don't want that thing stolen off your off your your porch. So um, there must be some, and I bet there is some kind of KPI or something that those delivery drivers have to, uh, on stuff that gets stolen. I bet in some way they're incented to make sure it gets there in some way. 
But yeah, Paul, we, this driver looked at both cameras and then put it in the place. And I thought, you know, if I'd had the box, the delivery box, and I think it's like 45, 50, 60 bucks, something like that, not terrible. I could put it right there and I could see them put it in there. Like they'd have to take the lid off, put it in. I could see them on both cameras, be able to do that. So I still may, I didn't pick it up. I think I'm gonna though. I think I'm gonna, I went, I actually went back to <laughs> the old post the last time you were on. I was like, what was that thing that we talked about? And uh, still available, the exact same thing, still available on Amazon. I may put a package box uh, right on the porch. It just kind of keeps the shenanigans. Have you found it kind of keeps the shenanigans at bay? And have you had anybody come up and have you seen anything in your ring cam that alarmed you at all? No, I've been pretty good. Um, and by the way, if someone wants to find it, it's called step two. I misspoke when I said Rubbermaid or whatever I said before. Mm -hmm. And com forward slash HGG385 a year ago, where I have six different places to shop for it. Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever. Got links for it. Um, no, for it, it's mostly sometimes something so big or sometimes it's useful for my wife and I to know something's waiting, uh, who's going to pick it up. It's just helpful for all of that. Luckily, we don't seem to have a lot of uh, you know theft so far in the neighborhood. I know a yeah. lot of people really struggle with that especially apartments and all. I don't, that problem still hasn't been solved as far as I can tell. Do you use a uh, neighborhood app at all? Do you monitor what's going on in your neighborhood? With uh, Yeah, not me, not so much. Okay. My wife, yeah, more so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't it, know I, how, how, how useful it is to know what's happening a mile and a half from me, though. Like, really? Like, I don't know. Kind of like you, you can sit and read the news about miserable stuff happening if you spread the radius far enough around your house. Well, is that does, useful? It, it, if I know if there's been a rash of... You know, like if I had known there had been uh, when I it, after I logged into the Ring app, I had seen there had been a rash of that going around the neighborhood. You know, we got some, we got some kids who are just checking to see if cars are open, right? And um, if I had known that, I probably would have been a little more vigilant to make sure that they, that they were all locked. And so wow. for me, it's just kind of a like I kind of just want to know what my threat level is. If there's a rash of cars that's starting to get stolen, well, I'll probably be a little more vigilant about checking my cameras. To make sure, you know, the the dealing camera on Sighthound, the Sighthound technology that identifies vehicles, animals, humans, those kinds of things is really good. Like, mm. it is really good at identifying things. And so at the end of the day, I can come home and look at the camera and say, hey, show me all the clips that have humans in it. And then I can quickly scroll, scroll through those and say, okay, what was going on? Like, today I watched the kids walking home from school. And I could see during that certain time period, kids were walking by my house and, and going to school. So I think just being aware kind of of what the threat level is or what's going on may make me a little more vigilant on the checking the camera side to see if I can help identify. I do think, and I don't know about you, Paul, but I do think visible cameras on your property are a deterrent. I think. You know, agreed. Yeah. My wife is very vigilant. I'm thankful for that. I'm admitting I'm not as vigilant, right? So it's good yeah. someone, and she would know if something's happened in the neighborhood. Right. I didn't realize that part of your story that that Ring's neighborhood app might have helped you in your circumstance. Yeah. I didn't really put two together. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. So some people listening, they're probably, you know, pretty meaningful. Depends what, you know, where you yeah, live and you don't, that. I don't think you have to have the Ring, any Ring equipment to yeah. download the right. app and ch check in on the neighborhood. I think Jamie even said that when... In some interview, I don't know if it was mine or whatever, or we were talking about that, but just not a bad, not a bad app to have on your phone to kind of monitor and see what's going on in the neighborhood. I, uh, like I said, I probably would have been a little more vigilant. The interesting thing is we're having some interesting conversations now with neighbors and it's all anonymous, which is kind of crazy. 
Um, we're having some interesting conversations with neighbors and I've had some neighbors post, we had somebody come up and rifle through their rifle that's the right word, through their mail. And yeah. it was all caught on the camera and they're like, Hey, does anybody know this person? And just, I think it just adds a little bit of a neighborhood accountability um, yeah. to that. So um, I, I'm still kind of deciding, I, you know, like I said, I got three different cameras and I'm kind of deciding like, okay, what? I also installed some motion sensor lights. Um, you know, I ordered some motion sensor lights off the, off Amazon and I've got, I put one in the garage, which I don't need that light blaring all the time. So it just comes on when I pop in there. And then same in the, in the front, um, uh, the front door light, as you get closer to the door, it comes on. And uh, those are both Govi lights that I'm, I'm trying out. Govi's, I think, a Chinese company that's uh, pretty inexpensive. I got their little humidifier for my cigar uh, box. And it's dumb. It's a dumb light, except it has a sensor built into it, which is really, really interesting. There's a little, you know, the bulb comes down and then at the end of the bulb is the sensor. And you just screw the things in and they're, they're motion sensing. Yeah, do you um, pretty cool. Do you segregate your Wi-Fi at all? I know you've talked about that a little bit. Okay, I haven't, but I think I'm going to. Do you? Yeah, like you know the the Teslas or the cameras—they're just on the guest Wi-Fi. Like they have yeah. no—they don't need to be on my home's network. So a little less risk there, right? Yeah. Raspberry Pi, whatever, all this stuff, Internet of Things. Yeah. I just put it in a separate network. Yeah. Is that oh. perfect? No, but um, it's something. Yeah. Um, some people would do a whole separate SSID, which is what Mike Wee was talking about, I think, last week, yeah. too. Right? Yeah. Yep. Everyone yeah. has a different approach. Um, yeah, not 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 a bad idea, especially um, with some of the products you buy where you have no idea what it's sending and what data, whatever. I mean, anything's an attack vector, even a printer. Right. So and a lot of things actually at least ship with public ports open. Now, usually behind that in the home, that is true. Um, but firmware can do some weird stuff with lateral moves. So, well, you know, and it's, it's been crypto locker and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, the, just just curious what you do there. Did did you did you install a Chime at all uh, with your Ring? Um, no. I, had, I, I installed the Chime Pro, which actually acts as kind of a repeater or an amplifier for the Wi-Fi, and I attached both devices to the Chime Pro. You didn't? Did you have to do that at all? Yeah, no, I was good um, with uh, Eros. So I just I have okay. actually four Eros. I have one in the basement lab where I'm working on Tinker Try stuff. Um, Upstairs, one near the garage where the cars are, so that works fine. The Tesla show three or four bars, um, and um, upstairs, and that handles the garage, uh, the doorbell. Our house is not that huge or anything. Um, when you hear Dave McCabe, he's got like four thousand. That's huge. Right? He's got a big space. Like a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, he has a big space, and he has big corners. I mean, he's spread out, so he's got to get that Wi-Fi to the corners, to the to the edge of things. Yeah, and so he's he has a challenge on that. I don't uh, hear. I can get away with, I have a one bit defender router that, that does its job. So go ahead and show that. Yeah. Speaking of networks here. Don't show like, <laughs> this time. Really Nothing showing there. Yeah. Sorry about that. Here's, there we go. Let's do that. What's different about my phone? Let's take a look. What do you see for logos there, Jim? Uh, I see both Verizon and AT&T on there. So what's that about? And then shows the signal strike the both, right? So uh -huh. how do we do that? So a lot of people aren't aware that iPhone 10 or 11 has an eSIM as well as a nano sim. So that meant I called Verizon when I got the Dell job and said Dell wanted to offer me a phone and carry a second phone. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. How about just mail me the sim? So they send me an AT&T sim. I call Verizon and say, hey, I got an unlocked iPhone 11. I want to pop out the nano sim. Can you move my phone number for Verizon over to the eSIM part of the phone? They said, sure. 
They went and did that. You reboot the phone, test it out. They call me, it worked. Then I popped the AT&T SIM in. Now I have a dual SIM phone. Takes phone calls from both, place calls from both. There's actually a good FAQ on Apple site. And I don't know if you do show notes off the chat, but let me throw that there. And it walks through all this because guess what? For messages, for voicemail, there's some thinking to do. Here's the cool part, Jim. Data. And this I can't show because I guess it is phone numbers. Yeah. But yeah. Automatic failover from one to the other. That is cool. So you pick your cell primary for cellular data. Is it the personal one or the work phone, the work sim? And if one gets really weak, like disappears, it hands off to the other one. In other words, I have one heck of a hotspot, a dual-branded hotspot now. So if I need to host a Zoom meeting pulled over at a, a charger or something someday from the road while parked, I just plug in the USB to my computer, USB-C, because the charge is nice and fast, right? Nice, fast charge. And it's wired tethering, no Wi-Fi at all for the best, most robust connection. And my phone's now providing data on AT&T or Verizon, whichever is stronger. Pretty cool thing that people just don't seem to know or haven't heard of in Android 2. Dual phones can be really handy for work. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to carry two phones that have to charge yeah. and Bluetooth connect? Yeah. Well, it's a mess, yeah. right? So there. have to do. No, that's that's um, super cool. Before we leave the ring, I want to talk a little bit about uh, sure. Cox here in a second. But did you 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 in the notes have a? It says Ring freezer story. Uh, did did we did we talk about yeah, that? No, or no, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So the moisture detector, water detector, leak detector, whatever you want to call it. Number one cause of damage to people's houses, right? When they go away. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I unbox it. I record a video in 4K. And like many of my videos, I never saw the light of day. I don't think I ever got that published. <laughs> I got like 80 articles in my drafts folder after um, eight years of blogging. And I, you do I, a lot of blogging. So it's, I'm surprised yeah. you have that much in your draft. Oh, so. God. It's, yeah, I never. <laughs> but anyhow, a thousand articles. So some are going to fall by the wayside. But anyhow, that's one that never made it. But their water detector product, it was only like a week old. I bought it pretty early. I should have blogged about it. And the story there was I unbox it. I pair it with my ring alarm system, shows in the ring app, and it keeps track of temperature. So if it gets really cold or if it gets um, wet. So um, I'm forgetting the exact name of the product. But I put it near the sump pump hole in the house. And when I'm back there, for whatever reason, as I plop it there before I go to bed that night, the hatch for the garage, uh, sorry, the hatch for the basin wasn't completely closed and the door wasn't completely closed. So I'd been doing some work or throwing some stuff out, whatever happened, I didn't seal things up. It got to be like eight degrees Fahrenheit that night. Things got really chilly. And what do you know? I was greeted with an alarm the next morning, went to check it out. And um, I had been planning to go away for a few days. That could have been bad. I could have frozen yeah. pipes in my house. Yeah. My point is the very, within 12 hours of installing the thing, it saved my bacon because <laughs> I would have left the house with the basement unconditioned and would have had no clue about it. Yeah. So there's my success story with, a, I think, a $40 product, right? Like, right. okay, they nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I put my house at risk without knowing about it, and uh, that could have been bad. Yeah. Um, so a bit of insurance there. Now, even better would be if a leak detector would turn off a valve that turns off the water to your whole house. That'd be kind of cool. Um, I think Ring is adopting a, a whole lot of third-party ecosystem, right? So you can get a whole lot of third-party products. Yeah. That'd yeah, be yeah. pretty cool if a, rain a water detector would automatically trigger okay, this person's got a leak in there. You know, let's just turn off the whole house. Right. I, I think that's the one thing I've learned in doing in the last two weeks, doing all this work in re-resurrecting the Hubitat, right? I bought the Hubitat back in the, in the spring, tried using it. I wasn't ready for it yet. Like I, I didn't fully understand what it could do. 
And after installing cameras and thinking through some things, I pulled the Hubitat back out. Also, a D-Link um, had, had upgraded all their systems. Philips Hue had released a brand new app that I didn't know about. And it was just like in six months, that whole ecosystem had changed radically on me. All, one of the things I've realized then with all this IoT work that I've been doing is we have made strides, huge strides in integrating all these systems together. So you can get Ring and Zmodo and uh, Wise and all these devices now connect all these different ways and they all interact with each other. It's not seamless and it's, it's not easy, but it does work. And I, and I think it's just going to get, as we consolidate a little bit more and such, I think it's just going to kind of get better. But there is a lot of integration going on right now with all the services. It seems like every single IoT app has a bunch of automations in it. The The Google Home stuff will do it. The, the Amazon A-Lady things will do it for you. It There's a ton of different options. And so I just, I don't know about you, but I am finding... I, I I woke up to a world where a year ago, not a lot was possible and nobody was working together. And now all of a sudden everybody is. And you have this, you have this amazing integration um, that's going in with all these things. So I just, it's, it's an interesting, for me, it's just been an interesting wake up call to like, oh, you know, maybe I need to dig back in on some of this IoT stuff and, and think through all the integrations that I have, including... You know, so I set up an integration that leaves the lights on down here for the litter box and the front door, but shuts everything else off out front. And those are all on sensors now. And so you just get some, like, it just gave me some new options, right? And in, in some of the stuff that I was doing. Yeah, I look forward to hearing people like Richard Gunther talk about this new uh, Google collaboration collaboration with uh, Amazon and Apple. Yeah. And he gets some amazing guests on the show, too. And he yeah. Keeps no. nailing it. So I just no. threw something in the chat there, too, about that collaboration. Um the industry could use that. Um, like you said, you're looking for apps. Well, if you don't get a ring camera, then you've got another app to fire up to check that other view of your driveway, whatever. It's a mess. Um, yep. It's yeah. A little, it's a little no, hard. It's, well, but it's, 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 it's harder, but it's more, there's more things that are possible. And yeah. so, you know, I can build a dashboard in Hubitat that brings all these things in, but not quite all of them. And I can build a dashboard in my uh, Amazon infrastructure that gets almost everything, but not quite all of it. Google Home, which does a really good job of it, by the way. I, I think they, they're on to something there. Um, but not 100% of the stuff. And so you kind of have 95 or 90% solutions on all of them, which a year ago, you had 0 to 15% solutions. Everybody was isolated, right? You couldn't do a lot of things. Today... Yep. You know, you're getting some on my on my on my Amazon device. I can view and monitor both the Zmodo, which I didn't think was actually possible, and the Ring cams by just asking, "Show me the cams," and it logs into the website and brings me the cams back. It's slow and a little clunky, um, but there's just so many. The Hubitat has got in is a super interesting device because it's got all this user. Um, you know, it's a really sharp development community that are doing a lot of cool things, but you almost have to be a developer to, to, to interact with it. I mean, I'm copy and pasting code into this thing to make it kind of work. I'm, I'm trying to get those guys. I'm trying to get Patrick Stewart back on as well to talk some more about that. So, so Paul, it's just, 
I say all that to say, I think the IoT world for the consumer, for the average guy has changed drastically. I started approaching this stuff. I'm like, wow, this is way different than it was a year ago when I when I first interviewed Habitat. And didn't find it that interesting. Today, I'm finding it very interesting. You and I have had this discussion. We got to have it because we have it all the time. Um, you, you first and then me are under internet you know, uh, data caps. And I think it's been a year for me and maybe some change um, in, in doing that. And you'd put in the show notes, you know, how are you dealing with that? Um, I haven't had any problems. Actually, the only time I did was when we were doing some really big cryptocurrency stuff and it was, you know, downloading dozens of blockchains uh, kind of thing. Have you had any, have you had any problems? Or uh, certainly now you have dual SIMs on your phone. You can switch over to that. But if you had any problems oh, no. with your data caps? Yeah, no, I definitely used, uh, I went with Gigablast. And why? When I joined VMware um, early 2017, in the first week, I blew through my cap. <laughs> the laptop, the corporate laptop was doing backups. And I do a lot of stuff with big, big files. So it was pretty much a no-brainer that Cox was forcing me at that point to move over to Gigablast where they removed the cap. So I just had to pay more per month. Um, it's pretty fire, significant though, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's 50 bucks more? It can be 950 down and 37 up. So it's asymmetrical, yeah. right? There's not yeah. fiber. So it's a Doxus 3.1 cable modem. And uh, they were willing to pay for that, but I ended up, uh, I think I owned the modem. Um, and it took six truck rolls to get that right. <laughs> so I was a little bit early uh, for Gigablast in my neighborhood, one of the first in town. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of being ISDN, the first dude in town in 1996 or whatever it was. So once they got Doxus 3.1 working in my neighborhood, I could consistently get that speed on a synthetic test. But Jim, real world, whether it's Microsoft ISOs you're downloading or from VMware.com, a hypervisor, whatever, most sites just cap you at like, 20 or 30 megabits per second, you're not seeing anywhere near 800 megabits. Yeah. The cool thing is, though, you could be downloading five OSs at once. And since my little $90, uh, actually $110 now, uh, Ubiquity Edge Router can keep up with that, it's fine. It can handle that. Trying any third-party products or filtering products, they all slow me down to 100, 200. When you're paying for gigabit, <laughs> you know, you want gigabit on the WAN interface and you want to be able to actually handle that. And to my surprise, the Ubiquity I've had for three years has been a complete success. Um, and that's really helped me for my home lab. DNS works great for local name resolution. Linux and Windows machines can see each other by name. They automatically see each other. If a computer has a host name by default when you boot Ubuntu or something and it makes up a name, okay, you just go over to a Windows machine and ping it by that name and everybody knows each other by DNS. Like, that is a cool product. Most home consumer routers don't do local name resolution. They just are surfing the web. They don't care what's in your house. So, so um, sorry, we're going slightly back to topic, but I just want to touch on Tony and others, I think, in the chat. They wanted to know about Insteon. Yeah, success story. I started log blogging about Insteon in 2012. I've had no product failures since 2012. It's eight years later. Now, there's stagnation. I'm a little worried about them coming out with a new toggle switch that'll be compatible with LED bulbs that are now common. When they engineered the thing in eight years ago, that was not common. It was mostly complex fluorescent. So a minor concern, but I like that, that I spent money, replaced some lamps to put the front lights on automatically at sunset and off at mm -hmm. midnight and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Christmas tree lights, all that's working eight years later. That's a tech success story to me. It wasn't the perfect choice because now there's Zigbee and there's lots of mm -hmm. waves where smart home is kind of proprietary with their instant stuff. But you know what? Richard Gunther's on it too for most of, a lot of his stuff for lighting. It's worked out. Um, so sorry, I went back a little topic. No, there. no. What What are you thinking from a home automation standpoint? What What's the What do you not have that is going to be the next thing for you? to install home automation was. Hmm. 
Jim, I think I'm kind of there. Like, you know. Oh, don't say it's not so, Paul. No, I mean, <laughs> the stuff I really need, like being able to control the thermostat if we're away for a few days, we can check the temperature in the house. We talked about a moisture and thermal detector, which is $35. Yeah. Not 30 I said earlier, by the way, mm-hmm. I found the price. Two pack of 70. Um, I threw that in the chat. Um, let me think. Hold on. Yeah. I don't know. Like, when, remember I mentioned when I go away, things go wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my wife is pretty keen on things going right, and they've got to, and that's what I my customers expect of me at my day job is make it reducing risk in my life and in my data, customers' data centers. Kind of same thing at home. My tinkering needs to be separate on my workbench in the basement. But the stuff that actually keeps the house going needs to be pretty solid. And um, I'd have to say, leaving it settled for a little bit, well, we've had a kind of a challenging year and two job changes last year. Yeah. My focus, honestly, wasn't on tinkering with that stuff. You needed to do this work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you an answer of I haven't really thought that one through, and I'm not okay. tinkering something at the okay. moment. Uh, there's one exception. I just thought of it. I don't know if this really counts. My wife's car that I showed you, they kind of cheaped out on HomeKit, removed HomeKit, and it can no longer open a garage door when you pull it to your house in the newer Tesla Model 3s in the lower trim levels. Not a big deal. I mean, the battery pack is by far the lion's share, and her car's 400 pounds less because its range is 20% less. So... That's where most of the money difference went between her car and my car. But they did take some other things to try to incent you to get with the four-wheel drive. But I'm living, you know, in New England where pretty much one of your car needs to be four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Way better than our Honda Civic ever was, by the mm-hmm. way. It's incredible in, you know, snow, as we talked about earlier. But there is a device that might fit the bill. I don't know. We'll see. I think it was 80 bucks. So Bluetooth. You put this module in, sync it up with my, I think, 18-year-old garage door openers that are above me that still work amazingly basically giving them some smarts where bluetooth gets out of range okay it automatically closes the door so think about that if i can retrofit her car with an 80 dollar opener that works every time the tesla one actually only works about 95 percent of the time so that's actually a win i don't really want to pay nor does she want to pay 300 dollars to retrofit her car yeah. at home link that tesla took out of the cars where it used to be standard for my car right so there's my little story for you, Jim. I'll, yeah. I'll let people know how it goes. Fairly well reviewed on Amazon. It's nothing to do with Wi-Fi or anything. It's just a dumb device that uses Bluetooth to figure out when you're close. For your particular device, it's close. Oh, let's let them in. Is it a security rate? You know, I'll be keeping tabs on that. Hasn't been. Yeah. We'll see. Paul, for um, there's been some discussion in our Discord group about light bulbs, Wi-Fi enabled light bulbs versus switches. And so now knowing what you know, uh, and when you think about lighting, um, in, in on, on the Philips side, uh, other Jim in the chat room saying Philips new um, Wi-Fi bulbs are from their purchase of Wiz. Uh, I wonder if there's ever going to be an integration between them and, and Hue. And that doesn't, that's not out there today. That doesn't work. But do you have any preference when you think about, and it's kind of gone in the in the Discord group, it's kind of been like, some folks are like, you know, I'm moving away from bulbs and I'm just going and control. I'm getting dumb bulbs and uh, controlling them with smart switches. Have you kind of thought through that in your environment as far as how you control them and what, how you want to control them? All right. Our house is built in late 94. We moved in first owners in early 95 uh, when houses were more affordable. Thank goodness our timing there. So we're now living in our house almost 25 years. It has toggle switches in the walls. You know what, from a human factor's perspective, not a bad idea. Kind of swipe your hand across the wall and you can very easily find a toggle and, and turn it on. Okay, so if someone else is in your house, it needs to be that easy. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that requires an app or a tabletop com- 
controller that's labeled what to turn on and off. Kind of a fail. I, I and when you know a family of four, and then we actually had seven living in the house at one. Uh, I get the number right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything's got to just work, and that's part of that project where I had everything working, and most of it's still working. Where if I'm going to replace like a living room lamp that um, you can't mess with, meaning it's just going to go on and off with the timer. I don't want a wall switch to override it and break that. So I put a toggle in for Instion where it's a toggle that sticks straight out. You flip it up with your finger, it turns on. You flip it down, it turns off. But it also does its own thing at sunset and sunrise. Right. In other words, there's nothing for the family to learn. He's <laughs> still the same swipe and yeah. swipe motion. Yeah. Whereas Decora has different shapes and sizes and brands. I don't know. Never a big fan of that because you go to someone else's house and it just feels all weird. Toggles, they're pretty old school. But um, since the house already had them, I went with that when I went with Instion. So... My office is a little different. Um, some of the rooms in my house, you might want to turn off a light that's a ceiling light from your bed, not just at, near the door where you come in from your uh, door that's supposed to be closed during fires. We learned thanks to Jim. Thank you for that, Jim, by the way. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Coming up, by the way, we're still, yeah. I've, I've got cool. this still in the box, ready to do the live unboxing oh, nice. when Joel comes on. So, yeah. Yeah. So for people listening there, Instagram makes an affordable little pad that sits by, by your bed or wherever where you can turn off maybe your computer screens or maybe your ceiling light, whatever your stuff your house didn't have when it was built, you can now have the wall switch controlled by a tiny little battery-operated remote control that has four different, you know, Instant devices it can control on and off. And the negative would be it's mic- uh, mini USB, which, or no, let's see, micro USB. you got to charge it every three, four months. A little annoying. Yeah. Not a big deal, but you got to charge it for a couple hours every three, four months when the light turns red instead yeah. of green. Um. So yeah, sorry, not not the most uh, high tech new answer, but yeah. again, to me, that's a tech success. I didn't have yeah. to keep hemorrhaging money year after year and replace devices. They really last quite well. Yeah. I did do whole home surge suppression. My X10 X10 devices were lasting no more than two three years. I put it on a whole and a lit a Leviton two hundred and sixty dollar whole house surge suppression device installed by an electrician, and my X10 devices started lasting longer. And then I replaced them all with Instion, and you know, like I said, they've lasted at least eight yeah. years. Many of them. Yeah. We, uh, OPPD, our power company actually provides that as a service really cheap. And so they'll come out and put a device on your house and run the ground in and uh, service it and guarantee it uh, right behind it. So that I have a $250,000, they'll replace it uh, due to any surge uh, from the outside. They take care of it. And they just recently offered me a $3 plan. They'll take care of all the inside wiring too, which... I was kind of like in a house this age, this is, you know, 1960, not the best wiring in here. And we've had some wiring problems. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to take you up on that because uh, in the next couple of years, I, I may have some things that uh, need to be replaced that I'll probably give them a call from. Those calls are only good up to 1500 bucks. But uh, for the things, for the small little wiring things that I may need, a lot, of, a lot easier for me to come to have them come out and replace those kinds of things than to do it. So that's another option our power company does that I find very, very useful is I can just basically subscription power, you know, or subscription work that way. Is it a smart meter? It is not. Yeah, no, it is not. Okay. Um, sense. I may have mentioned that on our last one. I don't know, but this is a device that's real-time monitoring how many watts are being burned in my house right now. It has failed to reliably detect Tesla though. Mm. So, Here's what I'm going to do. Let's just show the audience here. I know not too many people on the YouTube, but I'm going to change the limit of the car from 90% to, let's say, 91 or something to get the charger to start here while we're on the air. Okay, the car is going to start charging now. 
and we'll see the watt burn go up considerably. And there you see on the Sense app, oh, wow. a big spike. So pretty cool on that. I didn't yeah. have to install anything special on the wall. Yeah. This yeah. is just a clamp, an ammeter that goes yep. around the main yep. in your panel. But, you know, they struggle to just get the algorithm and figure out what's Tesla. And then I got two Teslas if they're both charging at once. You know, it'd be great if it kept track of both. Here's the thing, though. There's an app, an API Tesla has, where it knows exactly how much electricity this car is sucking up. So I can go to a web portal and see. And I did a one-year article, like 25,000 miles in one year of ownership of the Tesla Model 3. And I put the stats right in there, like, how much did I spend on home charging? And supercharging was actually zero because of referrals. Um, so, yeah, just um, pretty good. You know, like an ice freezer chest in the basement and keep tabs in that. You didn't have to do like a smart plug for each of those devices. It learned most things in my house, but not all of them, including the heavy hitter like the two cars, which is kind of sad. They've been struggling with the firm where I've been trying to help them in the forums. Yeah. I'm not judging them. They're trying hard. Their support's been awesome. I want them to succeed. And I'm the kind of the guy that tries to do that and do bug reports and say, hey, you can look at my data, have a look, uh, figure out you know what's going on in my house. It worked for seven of the last 12 months of last year. So they really struggled. Every time the firmware would come out in the test, it would charge a slightly different way and kind of throw them off their game. So there's the sense. That's why I haven't written about them yet. I just haven't yeah. succeeded with them yet. I want to have we, success. We had a question in, I think, the Facebook group about Sense. And um, uh, I didn't know you had put one in. So it's, you, you'd be a good um, a referral from that as folks are asking about those. You see those ads all over YouTube and Facebook, I think. They were they were advertising for quite a while on, you know, you basically just clamp that onto your, to your box. No, uh, the one we have is actually goes onto the meter. So it's a surge protector that goes onto the meter has two little lights underneath it. it's not tracking its job is really just to make sure that if any spike is coming back through for what any weather related reasons or whatever or power reasons from from the power company that uh those those things are leveled out and um or, or controlled in, in some way i've also let them kind of come in they have a during the summer, we they have a program where they'll spin down your air conditioner during peak times and run it a little bit differently to kind of help with the load. And for that, I got some credits uh, on my system to kind of help out with that. We noticed absolutely no difference this summer in our cooling around it. And I got some sweet little credits out of the deal and they control it. So um, pretty cool. And then I bought solar credits from them too. So they're, we're putting in solar, big, big solar farms uh, up north. Uh, here and you can you can buy into the infrastructure of it and then that comes back through your bill and um and so i i made a deposit and will be participating in that program to kind of help them in this case help the power company uh, build out the infrastructure kind of commits me to it we benefit on the back side and um you know i it's here in nebraska it's a lot cheaper to do it that way than to put panels on on my roof so so, so, Jim, I just shared an article. Ways uh, are bi-directional home DC turns EVs into a huge Tesla Powerwall. That's Seth Weintraub Electric writing three days ago about a new product. What's interesting there is imagine your power company um, who's got some troubles in July and August keeping up with peak. And basically they'd be using your car battery on those two or three days a year where they're just really hurting for a little extra juice to, to limp along through it. At what cost? Well, maybe they subsidize the $4,000 or $5,000 installed unit. So that would be something where they kind of own the unit in your house and you agree to have it charging your cars all year long, but 
three or four times a year, it's actually going to suck some juice out of your cars to try to keep up with that. You know, 6 p.m., everyone's home, turning on the air conditioner, watching Netflix kind of thing in the summer. Yeah. So kind of interesting, right? A little different than a generator. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just or even a little off. different than traditional solar where you have it on your roof. It sure is. It, it, and that's what's been fun about the car. Like it's opened my mind up to, well, <laughs> the planet <laughs> and thinking about all that. And I, that's even more polarizing that whole thing because people actually believe things are changing, but whatever, at least my wife and I are trying, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, rather than just burning through everything that our planet has to offer, we're right. trying to make steps in the right direction. Yeah. And, no. and that's fun for me to write about stuff where, if 10,000 people read it and 2.1% actually buy it, I've had a greater impact on Carbon Imprint than the last eight years of articles uh, I've written about little home servers. So let just let that sink in, right? That's part of why I write about this stuff. Just because, well, it's my own blog. I can write about whatever um, kind of motivates me and excites me. And Tesla has been a little bigger on my blog this year. Um, it's also kind of nice that people actually seem to watch, you know, and appreciate the YouTube videos too. So, um, Part of that is Intel stagnation with their Xeon chip and moving past 14 nanometer. So Intel's been kind of a yawn for a year or two. So I'm writing about something else temporarily until they finally go with seven nanometer and try to, you know, compete with AMD Epic, which is kind of trouncing them right now. So more to come for me, but I just kind of follow what my passion is, you know, that year and what, what incites me. And the test has definitely met the bill and had me learn a whole lot about power. Um, one more top power thing, Tim, Jim, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more power thing in Connecticut, I think six years ago, we had a really big scare in October where it snowed pretty heavily, like third week of October. And I was actually driving home from uh, Boston and it got heavier and heavier. Next day, there were leaves on the tree still. It stuck to the leaves. It was sticky, heavy, wet snow, took down power for eight days in most of Connecticut. Now it's 40 degrees, so you weren't bursting your pipes in the basement, but it was a good wake up call that hospitals, like my IBM customers, they had some trouble. Like their diesel generators only ran for two or three days. They were assuming a truck could make it from New Jersey to refill, but there were still trees like laying across 91 for a day or two, our major, you know, north-south corridor. So I just share that story that that was a big wake-up call. They started shaving trees like crazy and our power has been more reliable since, but you still have a little PTSD from what that's like, having my family and my parents move in, trying to save all the food, me trying to fill up the generator by going to the one pump that worked that actually had power. Gas stations don't work when there's no power, people, if you didn't know that. But there was one, a, a good little drive away, where I'd wait at, at line from midnight to 2 a.m., three or four nights in a row to get my tanks filled to go fill the generator, keep the house going with like eight people living there temporarily. So I just tell that story that people in California are dealing with that for a decade to come. Holy smokes, right? They got some real problems with a power company that's happily just turning off their power on a regular basis. So you better believe that battery is going to be a lot of interest to people mm -hmm. in their garages, in their homes. Yeah, well, ex ex especially because we have better batteries. Like, I mean, I think that's yeah. the key is that, you know, when, years ago, 10 years ago, our battery technology was pretty bad. Yeah. And you were putting in lead acid batteries, right? Banks of them that weren't. That, <laughs> those in data centers, yeah. Weren't, that weren't great, right? And right. Uh, venting and, you know, all kinds of problems with them. And now our battery technology has gotten a lot better. I do love the fact you've got, you know, you, yeah, yeah, your car is... 99% of the time you're using those batteries to run the car. But what if they were, what, what if they became part of the grid as a backup? Exactly. And that's what this device is enabling. It's not made by Tesla, yeah. which is a little weird. And for now it's not even compatible with Tesla, but the vision there is if Tesla allowed it, yeah, your car is certainly capable of powering your house. There's a thing called power wall, but I think each car is worth like four power walls. These batteries are giant in my car yeah. here. So yeah. 
yeah, they could power your house for days. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I did have a transfer switch put in where, yes, I still have a gas generator. You plug it in, roll it out to the backyard, far from the house, fire it up, plug in a thick, beefy cord to the transfer, and then hit the manual transfer switch, and I get my house back in. So I still have that. And when the electrician was doing the wiring for the Tesla, he added a 100 amp sump panel for the garage. For whatever reason, my town zoning and electrical codes wouldn't allow him to do two 60 amp breakers and a 120. So with 100, it's fine. For our two cars, we're charging at top speed um, with the charges we have. So we're not losing anything. If we had a, a much bigger, like Model X or something, yeah, they can go all the way to 70 kilowatts. We don't need that in our house. We have no plans for a giant car again. My wife and I, mind you, we've been driving small Honda Civics our whole, yeah. pretty much our whole lives. So we're used to small cars, even when our kids are growing up and they're six feet tall. So we're pretty modest in our, you know, our needs. We never, just how we are. We like small cars. We're not even hankering for the Model Y. But if people got, if I got their interest and they're thinking about test driving it, hopefully you remember nothing else from this. Before you buy whatever brand of electric car, at least test drive one of them. Um, if you're on the fence about going gas or electric, test drive any electric car before you make that decision. I would encourage you. And then consider what I said, that the price is getting down to lower than the average price of the American car, which is now at an astounding $36,000. So you remember, there's one Tesla where you have to special order and call them, say, I want the cheap one. And there's still one for 31000 I believe. They keep withdrawing it and putting offering it again. More realistically, it's going to be more like 38000 that one's here to stay. The cheaper one that's 35000 minus some rebates, that one seems to come and go. I don't know. But we'll see. Um, imagine, you know, New Jersey announcing yesterday, I think, $5,000 rebate for its citizens. Holy smokes. Sure beats Connecticut's 1500 Yeah. Those are incentivizing behavior. You know, China and other places did that. It had a huge move. Yeah. Norway is dumping all gas by 2025. Uh, other European countries are following suit. That's only five years away, Jim, saying you can't drive a gas car in this country. That's This is happening. <laughs> America's just way behind, but especially Europe. And having visited Europe last year again, boy, did I see it firsthand, the gas prices driving that rental car around. I was pretty keen on getting a car with 40 miles per gallon, not 20, which what most of the rental car places wanted to give me. And I was driving 800 miles with my parents. So yeah, I think about those things. Every every dollar counts. If you rent a car that has 20 miles per gallon, you're going to spend $1,000 driving it 1,000 miles in Europe versus the rental itself is only 300. That stuff matters. <laughs> like People don't mm -hmm. think like that. It's, it's expensive. Look at your bill. Filter your annual American Express for all your gas station visits. Have a look. <laughs> Yeah. If I had done that with 25,000 miles last year, oh my God. Uh, yeah. 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 That's pretty great. Paul, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back on. Sorry. It's been a year. I, I, I didn't realize it had gone. We'd gone a whole year without seeing you. I thought we were on the six month rotation. So I have to do better, uh, a better job of, um, uh, getting my, uh, my spreadsheet a little more current. So I get you on here on your biannual side, but Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for being creative. You're always always thinking through. You're my most creative guest in a lot of ways that you're always thinking about different ways in all the times you've been on, thinking about different ways you can present things and do things and have things laid out. I was thinking a couple episodes back, we kind of did a, a look back. At, <laughs> Special guest. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. You're always, uh, you have to watch the YouTube video to see that one. Um, what? No, why is that in there? What, what were you? I don't know. I was thinking of doing something goofy like having you in the back seat. Oh, the yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me go full screen on the YouTube video show. Just bring that in camera view so people can see. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> my, one of my sons inspired me. He, oh, 
one. So I still that's super great. Well, Paul, thanks. Hang tight for one second. And uh, with the edit, this will be right, right about an hour and 20 minutes. So we'll remind, we'll remind everyone. Yeah. We started a little late and then uh, I think there was, it was probably a good 10 minutes that uh, the internet went out on me. So, and the Brio came by the way, 720p. How did I look? It's USB C. Looks fine. No, it looks great. Yeah. 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 down reses it a bit, but the wider yeah. angle lens worked well for tonight. I took it out the did. and it was way narrower range. So it I like did. Yeah. No, for it the good. Anyway. I, I have not had anybody, uh, I'll have to tell Dwayne, he's going to have to step up his game that you came in from the Tesla. And, uh, and so I'll have to tell them, uh, tell them that as well. A couple of reminders. One, we want to thank our Patreon subscribers who each and every month support the network. So the average guy.tv slash Patreon. Uh, Ed Sullivan uh, the other day was just very generous in, in what he has doing, a listener. And so uh, we appreciate those who do that as well. And so, Ed, thanks for your pledge to Patreon. Again, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon if you want to jump in on that. Theaverageguy.tv slash Discord or theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook will get you in either one of the groups. You can contact me via email. And last week, many of you did. That episode we did last week, Paul, on IoT and all this, all that I went through, got a lot of comments about it. It was one of those kinds of things I didn't, I kind of expected people, I quit whining. You should have locked your cars. <laughs> and I actually, I got a lot of great emails and a lot of great feedback. So I appreciate that. Jim at the average guy.tv. Find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. If you want to connect out there as well. And we got a pretty good Twitter community going on. Of course, we want to thank Maple Grove partners for sponsoring uh, the average guy.tv and all we do, they host and media host for us. Plans, uh, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you can trust. Of course, Trish, Christian has added a bunch of infrastructure. If you need hosting for any reason, plans start as little as $10 a month, maplegrovepartners.com. And I just appreciate Christian's partnership over the years. Coming up on 10, I think it's 10 since I've known him. And we're coming up on the anniversary this year of Home Gadget Geeks being 10 years old. Uh, home Tech back in the day. And uh, and I appreciate Christian and his sponsorship as well. Then, of course, don't forget to download the Home Gadget Geeks app, homegadgetgeeks.com, and you can get it there. Paul, we're still loving uh, Home uh, home uh, HelloFresh. There we go. You're doing, are you you doing another service still for, for, um, for yeah, food service? Yeah. Given the travel and my wife and yeah. our schedule, um, Home Chef worked out quite well for us because yeah. we could select a uh, little reduced carbs. So basically just say that in our profile and you didn't have to worry about picking the meal so much. They would just, you know, remove the potatoes and go with cauliflower or something. So it worked out pretty pretty darn well. Not always easy. We do that three days a week where I'd be the one uh, trying to cook and because, um, you know, the nights I'm actually home. Um, so my wife and I both work full time. Not always easy, right? Yeah. But we were certainly eating healthier that way. Yeah. The last week, we're trying freshly. So that's where you just microwave it. Um, so it arrives refrigerated. We're still experimenting. Seems salty. Uh, we got to keep looking at it. It's tricky. 1,000 yeah. milligrams of sodium, but okay, yeah. low carb. But holy smokes, it's a lot of salt. So, a lot of salt. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. We'll, we'll keep at it. But okay. Home Chef been a big success. Um, you're right. You know, having your house smell good and cooking. And I don't know how to cook, but I can follow the recipe card. <laughs> it's uh, pretty great. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I just enjoy the process. Yeah. I mean, not every night. Sometimes I don't enjoy it or don't feel like it, right? Or just don't get it done yeah. or I'm on a phone call or whatever. But yeah, yeah, for people listening, I encourage you to think about it. It becomes more affordable when you, you have less people at home, I would yeah. say too, right? No, it works perfectly. Not, Even when my yeah. daughter's home, it works perfectly for us. And we haven't tried anybody else, but we we do indeed like HelloFresh. So that's working for us. I just, those meal kits have taught me how to cook, you know, kind of. Yeah, no, same here. Absolutely. Yeah. Ask my wife, I don't know how to cook really. I never did, but I can follow the cards and yeah. And um, 
Jim, one more thing I want to mention. I'm just looking at my little notes here. Two more yeah. things. Yeah. Crew Dragon Explosion. So next week, if you like to watch rockets, like Jim apparently is a bit of a space nerd too. I like it. You got SpaceX blowing up something on purpose. And I went and tweeted that out um, earlier today. So follow me at Paul Braren. Um, and then the other thing is I may have a new server to show off to the world, Jim, that's compact and like a better suited for home lab use. So that's what I'm known for in the VMware communities is what's, you know, quiet and efficient in your home. That's been the thing. Intel Nook has a loud little fan when it gets busy, or one new servers have really loud little fans, so you gotta tuck them in your basement. I've been focused on stuff that you can actually run upstairs in your home. So I found something pretty exciting. I'll hopefully be able to take the covers off it soon. I'm still working on VMware support and some other logistics issues. And um, you know, stay tuned. So for me, I love that stuff. You know, using my thermal cameras, using my NVMe SSD tests, running VMware and everything. I, I still very much do that. Uh, I still have my evening and weekend tinkering. That's yeah. If you're not uh, checking out Paul at tinkertry.com, you that's definitely one you want to add to. Uh, he writes a lot, and so even though not every, even though he's got 80 draft articles, the stuff that does make it there is pretty freaking awesome. So if you haven't checked out Tinker, Tinker Try, uh, Paul, you're one of the most thorough, well thought out, well planned writers that I know. And uh, just if there's ever an exhaustive, uh, authoritative post on something, you're going to have it. So I appreciate your work in what you do there. You want to, you run a great blog, and uh, I just appreciate the work that you do for the community. You've been a good friend for a long time, so thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Oh, back at you, Jim. It's been an honor to know you so many years, and it's always an honor when you invite me on. Yeah, likewise. Well, we'll, we'll get you scheduled for six months and not a year uh, right after we're done here. But I just remind folks, uh, we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at TheAverageGuy.tv Live. We always have a good time, and maybe we're not your typical tech podcast, but we like what we do, and we have a great community and a lot of fun in that. If you enjoy the show, you can help me out the most. Just share it with somebody this week. Just Take it out, share it with somebody, say, hey, maybe you know somebody that likes this kind of stuff and share it. Um, It's always kind of fun to pick up some new listeners. So we appreciate it if you do that as well. We'll be back next week. Special guest coming in to talk about the technology around sports and data, which is going to be really, really interesting. I haven't had this guest on before, and so Kevin is his name, and he'll be in to talk about that. And then all kinds of great stuff coming forward. We'll see you back here. uh, And and, uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.